Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Don't think that there's some one soulmate. It's not like there's one. Although Bon Jovi is my soulmate. <laughs> there's always exceptions. Are you saying that gossiping is the same as if I'm picking lice out of your scalp and eating it? Well, you've done both. So what do you think? I don't want to give her too much. I don't like her to come in with an inflated head. So we won't mention the Golden Globe. After all we've been through, we deserve an orgasm, sis. Honey, we deserve... I know. <laughs> Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on, peeling back the layers and getting dirty. It's the last episode of 2021. Very special. And so I thought I'd close it out with a listener question. Allie, my name is Olivia. Me and my husband have a 14-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl. Both want to start, quote-unquote, dating. How did you and your husband handle dating with your kids? Help, one nervous mama. Oh, my God. <laughs> dating! Well, dating at 14 and 15, I think, is fine. I think they're old enough to ask somebody out and go to the movies or go out for a happy meal or whatever that means. But I think in terms of asking somebody for a kind of romantic rendezvous is totally fine. I think it's very sweet that they actually want to date rather than just like each other on Instagram, 
or just hook up at a party. So don't be nervous. Be good listeners and be good advisors. Ask them where they're going. See if they need to borrow some money and encourage it, but also encourage a dialogue with them about it. Oh, hell, it's the end of the year. Let's do another one. Hi, Allie. Love your podcast. My fiance has an ex who he crosses paths with because of work. When we go to Christmas parties or work dinners, etc., there she is. I don't worry about any remaining feelings between them, but it bothers me for some reason. What advice do you have to help me navigate this? Ooh, that's a really tough one because I'm kind of a jealous person and I love drama. So I would probably, <laughs> I would probably use it, but um, that's not a mature thing to do. So this is what I would say. I think a lot of times people need to confront their fears and their insecurities. And so if for some reason this woman makes you feel insecure or bothers you, then the first thing I would do when I go into a Christmas party or somewhere where I see her is just beeline right up to her and say, hey, hi, how are you doing? Because that sort of dissipates all the drama around it. So if you act like it's all okay, everyone else is going to feel like it's all okay. These are just little ghosts from the past. And if you show that you're totally fine with it, even if you have to act a little bit, everyone else will be too. And it just, it'll be a non-issue. Okay. So it's the end of one year and the beginning of another. It has been a shitstorm the past few years. And I think we could all use a little sprinkle of optimism in our life. And when I was thinking about optimism, the first person that came to my mind was Michael J. Fox. He's somebody who has struggled with alcoholism, with Parkinson's, and yet he can crack a joke like nobody else. He is the most spirited, happy, full of love, engaged person I've ever met and actually wrote a book about optimism. I know Michael J. Fox and have known him for many, many years because he actually has played my husband, George Stephanopoulos, in um, in many movies and TV shows like The American President and Spin City, which was based on George. And since then, we have become great friends with him and his wife, Tracy, and our families have gone on family trips together. And he is the person that when I'm around, I feel all warm and fuzzy. I just love him. Michael J. Fox is a multi-award-winning actor, author, and activist. His latest book, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality, was released last November. As an actor, he rose to fame as Alex P. Keaton on the hit TV show Family Ties and then as the star of the Back to the Future movie franchise. He was diagnosed with young-onset Parkinson's disease in 1991 when he was 29. In 2000, he started the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, which the New York Times has called the most credible voice on Parkinson's research in the world. Today, the foundation is the largest nonprofit funder of Parkinson's drug development and research, and I believe they have raised over $1 billion in Parkinson's research. So, Mike, I'm saying in full disclosure that you are like family to us, and so I might be bringing up things that have happened on family trips or at dinner or in private scenarios. So I'm just letting our listeners know that is why. I've only known you since I quit drinking, so. 
<laughs> you don't know that many good stories. No, you're going to tell some of the good stories because one of the things I'm kind of digging into this season is the idea of optimism. And you are Mr. Optimism. In fact, your latest book, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality, is a very optimistic look at life during an incredibly pessimistic time. How the hell did you write a book during a pandemic? It was really interesting. Uh, it was it was it was, it was uh, challenging because because it was a very personal book and a very introspective book. It was a, it was a book about me challenging my own optimism, in the sense that I, I had a series of bad things happen and I had spinal surgery, which left me uh, somewhat quasi paralyzed in some areas of some much my legs and my arms, and then I fell and shattered my humerus. And, Bad. It's bad all the way around. So I, I was, who am I to tell people to be optimistic when I was lying on a floor waiting for an ambulance to come and cursing the world? And, and then I went through this journey of, I say, I'm screw making lemonade out of lemons. I'm out of the lemonade business. I'm not, can't do this anymore. I can't represent. And, and, and I went from that to, to, to uh, kind of dropping it all and just vegging out for a while, which I needed to do. Watching uh, game shows on, on cable television ad nauseum. And then I started to look around me and, and see things that I was grateful for, in spite of everything else. And I started to see acts of gratitude from, uh, from other people. And, and, I, and I just I thought about this like a, a puzzle. And I said, how do I, how do I, how do I blend this reality with this optimism and with, with what I see in the world? And, and I came up with this, this formula with gratitude. Optimism is sustainable. If you find gratitude and if you find something to be grateful for in anything, mm -hmm. just whatever. Like like, uh, I'm grateful that they have uh, vegan cheese at the at the deli. Like, it, it just it'll get me through the it'll get me through the afternoon. Right. Um. Uh, and in bigger, more important issues, um, in the loss, if I can find something to be grateful in that loss, I always say that that Parkinson's is a gift. And people challenge that and laugh at that, and I say it's a gift that keeps on taking, but it's a gift, and 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 and, and I can see it that way. I was thinking about was it 2018 when you shattered your arm? Yeah, yeah. 2018 was my. I, I had no idea 2020 was coming. <laughs> 2018 was my worst year. 2020 just blew the doors out. <laughs> But, but that was kind of like, so 2018 was kind of your breaking point, you say. My anisribilis. Yeah. You're lying on the floor with the shattered arm. And I was thinking about that moment and and how, you know, you were swearing, like you said, the ambulance was coming. You, you were beating yourself up because you had been very stubborn about being alone and you didn't need anybody to be in the house. And I was thinking about an Oscar Wilde quote that says, the basis of optimism is sheer terror. <laughs> do, do you yeah. think that there's truth to that? <laughs> well, I mean, you look at the alternative, and, and they, they're not good. <laughs> like you're either optimistic or, or, you, or, you, or you're scared shitless. Right. It's, it's, it's uh, thing about optimism. It, it is. It is. It, it is like for me, either like give up. Like if I if I can't find some way to go forward, if I can't find something that that, that not a reward, not anything I deserve, not anything. But just, just, just my, my belief that it just, it just, it's, it's, this stuff's gonna work out. Yeah. And, and um, and and if I don't believe that, then I, I got nothing to go forward with. I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of stuff. This is interesting because I want to start with your career because 
I can't imagine that you were cynical back in the earlier days of your career. Were you? I mean, when you were doing Back to the Future, I mean, you were a global superstar. Were you an optimist then or were you kind of more jaded and cynical? Even before that, I was I was uh, a, kid, a kid growing up in Canada. I lived in Burnaby, which is kind of Brooklyn or Vancouver, and, and hung out with the guys and I did a little acting at school and then I started doing acting professionally and played bands. I, I mean, everyone's going to get a union card and, and work down in the docks or, or work in the timber industry. I, that's what all my friends were going to do and I wasn't going to do that. So I, 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 I mean, I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't physically be able to do it or, or be able to stand in the boredom of it. So I, I got into acting. And when I first had an opportunity to do an American production, I, I immediately knew when I did it. I said, this is my ticket out. So this is going to work for me. And it did. It, I, I made friends with the producers and the casting people. And they, they hooked me up in the States with an agent and came down to the States. And so my attitude coming down to the States at 18, to having dropped out of high school, done everything you're not supposed to do. I mean, a uh, um, cautionary tale did, didn't happen, but what was said have to be a real cautionary tale. Um, and, and, and that worked out. And I remember being down on my first set and looking around and saying, all these actors might make it, but I am going to make it, so I like my odds best. Right. And and, and, then I, and then I started to get jobs. And then, then it was a period of time, like two years, where I didn't get any job. And I, and I was eating plain wrapped macaroni and stuck in the landlord and... I owed the IRS a lot of money, and then I, I, so it was really bleak. My my brother actually offered me a job on this construction site picking up nails, and and so it was right back to what I feared in the first place. And and then and then I had family ties. So so how do I come out of that and not be optimistic? Yeah, like it just it, it just it just a, a belief in the fairness. I mean, I don't need breaks. I don't, I, so I just hope that what I put into it, I'll get out of it, and and. That's always worked for me. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm remembering your question now. <laughs> um, I, yeah, back, back to the Future. Family Size and Back to the Future were, were just two, again, lightning strikes. It's just like, impossible to, 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 to calculate for or to prepare for. And um, what happened kind of in that mix was uh, where I met Tracy. And she saved me from, from, from a place where, where it was going beyond optimism to. to, to, to to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, being a dick. Being a dick. Being, 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 being. being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can go here. I can go there. I can meet the king of this and the queen of that. And and um and uh, Tracy kind of came to my life. She said, "Point me that was getting really bad." And in, in this brief time, we we were together because we she, she did the show for like five she did five episodes or six episodes. And 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 then went back to her life in, in New York as a theater actress. But before she left, she kind of told me uh, in this kind of interesting way. That I was, I was in for falling, and I had never thought about it that way. I thought it was all grand. It was all going to keep going like that forever, and I deserved it. Right. And, and she straightened me out. Well, and also, when you were 29 years old, you found out you had Parkinson's. That changes the dial. Yeah, that was when we got married. Yeah, that switches things. Yeah. I mean, tell me about, I know that, that you reacted by drinking and, and sort of trying to numb the brain, but, I mean, how are you optimistic in that period or were you not were you just sort of circling the drain i wasn't I mean, that was a real dark period yeah i i always was a party guy and i always drank beers by the score and um so what happened was when i when i was diagnosed it just turned into a different kind of drinking it no longer celebratory drinking it was medicinal drinking and 
and, and drinking to, to try to fix things. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, it wouldn't fix anything. And, and Tracy had been so accepting of this diagnosis and so uh, assuring and, and, and comforting. And, and so she was the optimist. She, 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 I don't know if she was optimist, but, but I don't know. The Tracy would describe herself as an optimism even now, optimist even now. She's more complicated than that. But she, she was willing to go for it. She was willing to, 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 to go through it together and to see what it was and to experience it together and and, yeah. and, and, and carry on with their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that I could do that. And I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know. No one could tell me what was going to happen. They said, you have this thing. And, but at the time, it was a twitchy pinky and a, and a sore shoulder. It wasn't things I deal with now, mm-hmm. which I deal with now much more easily than I dealt with a twitchy pinky sort of shoulder. I mean, I can't walk and, I, right. and I'm, I'm okay. I can put me in a shady spot and put a TV on and I'm okay. Um, but then it was, it was really tough. So I, I started drinking a lot. I started drinking, hiding liquor and, 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 and it really got ugly and that was untenable. That lasted for about a year and, and then I and they had sober and that was a knife fight in the closet getting sober. So that was also not a, not a comfortable period. Uh, it isn't just like you, you drink and straighten your marriage and then you quit drinking and your marriage is great. Yeah. Well, what did Tracy say to you when you were lying on the couch, which is one of my favorite things? Oh, it, was, it was a classic moment. I, I was I mean, out drinking until about five in the morning. Came back, lie down on the couch, opened a course tall boy, uh, which I'd spilled over at some point in my passing out. And it was hot and sweaty. And my son Sam was like two or three, was crawling all over me. And and I was like, comfortable. And I was kind of not violently pushing him up, but, but just kind of discouraging him from, from climbing near my head, which hurt. And and then I, I opened my eyes a little bit and I saw Tracy's feet. And I, and I, and I knew I was going to do a slow pan up to her face. And when I got to her face, she was going to be really angry. And and I did the slow pan up to her face and I got to her face and she was just bored. She was just bored and and, 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 uh, and then she said to me, is this what you want? She just nailed that line, and, and, and it just it chills down my spine. I said, oh, fuck, no, this is what I want. I want you. I want, I want, I want Sam. I want to. And, and I couldn't. I, it just hit me. But she went to the theater. To, to, she was doing a play. And, and I was going to meet her in, in Connecticut. And so on my drive up to Connecticut, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say to her. Like, why was it out late? What happened? What, blah, blah, blah. All these excuses and, and these stories and lies and and then I got her on the phone, and the first thing I said was, if you know somebody in the program, I'll go to a meeting now. Wow. And, and, and she knew I was sincere, and she, she happened to know somebody who she was working with who picked me up and took me to a meeting. And, and then I haven't had a drink since. Wow. That was 29 years ago. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And I, I have to say, for the people listening to this podcast, if you could see Mike's face when... Tracy enters the room. It is like <laughs> it's the same feeling you get when the food comes out of the kitchen and it's heading towards your table. He just like he lights up and Well, usually those two things happen at the same time. Yeah, cuz she's an amazing cook. <laughs> she comes out of the kitchen with great food and looks fantastic. Yeah. And it's time for a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. 
because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, let's get back to it. So you're married to Tracy, you have Sam, and then you have twin girls and then another girl after that. So now you have a family, which is an optimistic thing in itself, having a family. Well, the thing about the twins that was really special was uh, uh, when Sam Sam was like uh, three or four, when we were going through all this trouble. And, and, and during that time, I would say to her, have another baby. And she'd say, are you nuts? Are you insane? You want to have a baby? You can't, you can't, you can't dress yourself. And, and, and uh, so, I, yeah, you're right. So it was really cool. Sam was playing with his cousins. And, and she said, um, Sam's going to be a good big brother. And I went, um, oh, that's cool. And, and, and uh, the next baby was the twins, but we didn't know it was twins. And we found out it was twins. It was such a mitzvah. It was like, like to me, of course, I went, this is a big wink that we did the right thing to wait. And we got a, we got a quotient of kids up to that point, but they just came a special way. Yeah. And, and then Esme came because we were just, the kids were getting older and we just thought, it's, it's just not noisy enough here. There's a little more noise. There needs to be another opinion at the table. So, so and that was Esme and she sure was. She sure was. She's a smart girl with a lot to say. <laughs> but when you're in this uh, family dynamic, you lead by example in that family because had you decided to throw in the towel when the Parkinson's was getting worse or been bitter or, I mean, you know more than anybody else with other people 
that have been diagnosed not only with Parkinson's, but some people literally and metaphorically take to the bed. And you have led the family by being game for everything and being an optimist. And I, I think that if you had a different reaction to your diagnosis, it would have it would have been very damaging to your family and you would have been a very sad group of people. Well, I don't think it was the exception of Sam. I don't think I'd have a family if I if I had made that adjustment early on. Mm-hmm. Like when when I was going through that stuff with Tracy and, and the drinking and all that. Um but but well, like going forward, if I teach my kids resilience and I teach them gratitude and I teach them optimism, I mean, it's not, it's not, hopefully not in a pedantic way and not, not, not in a kind of, uh, here's the rules, a happy life. I don't know those rules. I just make them up as I go along. Right. Um, but um, I'm thrilled to hear their ideas and, and their thoughts and their concerns. And like when you talk about the pandemic, that was an amazing time because we were in our house. And um, and then the conversation springs up, and yeah, and we sit around and have these big meals. Tracy would cook, and and, and afterwards we go sit at the table and we talk about the pandemic, or we talk about the social problems uh, that were happening, social issues that were happening, and it was amazing. Like, I just, yeah, they they were they were aware of what's going on, right? They're aware of, they're aware of the problems in the world, but they still they're so positive about it. They're concerned. Yeah. I also think that you, like myself, you use humor a lot. I think that's part of being an optimist, I believe, um, is adding humor. And I think you make your kids laugh and you make your wife laugh. And that adds to it, too. That gives it a a flavor of cheer and positivity. I certainly try to implement that into my family as much as I can, especially, you know, when the world is on fire. If you can find humor, it, it does help a little bit. I think the scariest thing in the world is someone without a sense of humor. Yeah. It just, and you can tell immediately when you talk to somebody, you test them out with a little softball across the middle of the plate. And it's a little funny thing. A little, and if they don't react, you go, oh, shit. Yeah. How much time do I have to spend with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's the same thing with anything that happens. I mean, my, my response is, what's funny about this? Right. What's funny about it? Something funny about it. I'd rather go there first and what's tragic about this. I mean, I bounce back from that. Exactly. I start with what's funny about it. And then, and then it even works in the long run, too, as you know, the classic um, algorithm, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah. The, the Alan Alda line from Crimes and Misdemeanors. I think it had a life before that. Yeah. But I like it when he says it. Um, yeah. They also say a pessimist is always alone. An optimist is always two people away from a threesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> when did it work? Um, but I think humor is definitely part of a- an optimist. Yeah. I mean, I married George for a plethora of reasons, but. He's a great laugher. He's a great laugher. He doesn't have like a tight five that he could do at the chuckle hut, but he <laughs> is. He's a great audience. You know, he gets the joke, which is part of it, too. And sometimes I think when it feels a little bit like the world is circling the drain, and I, I don't mean just politically, it's nice to have a little bit of optimism around because it would be easy to fall into a dark hole. Um, I was watching TV. I was noticing there were more whales out on the beach in the water off the coast of the beach this summer than I had seen in a couple of summers. And I was wondering about that. And then I saw this thing on TV about the fact that because of the pandemic, there was a shutdown in, in, in the amount of shipping that was going on. 
the supply chain is broken down, so there's a lot less boats coming out of China and coming out, especially the Pacific, a lot less shipping. And because of that, mating calls could be heard further out, and, and there's a huge boost in the whale population. Wow. Because, because they're, 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 the mating calls were interfered with. And I thought, how cool is that? And of course, when, when the pandemic ended, for all extents and purposes with the shipping industry, it went back down again. But that, that is the kind of stuff will happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like the dolphins in the Venice canals in Italy and... Yeah, same thing. Yeah. But you actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's that's the good stuff. Yeah, I think it is the good stuff. And I think we need the good stuff always. How? What are your feelings about mortality these days? Because right at this moment in my life, something about my oldest child going away to college and having aging parents that really need me. And I'm having all kinds of issues with my mortality and thinking like I'm up next. And, you know, I can get a little dark about it, but I try to be optimistic and think, well, I can wear big straw hats and grow tomatoes now. But how are you dealing with mortality? (laughs) What are your thoughts? Well, I'm married to a woman who's going to live to be 106. Yes. Who looks 30. (laughs) Her mother is 92. If that isn't indiscreet for me to say, but she runs three miles on the weekend. It's amazing. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. And and um, my mom is 92, but it's just a fluke because everyone else in my family died in, in, in an earlier age. So um, I don't have much hope for myself getting much past 70-ish. And it's, I'm just really realistic about that. Well, I'm hoping for the best. I'm signing up for another 30. Mm-hmm. But I don't, that's as far as I think about it. Yeah. And then it kind of like death at a certain point becomes none of my business. I, I do my best to set up my family to, 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 to have what they need. But I don't think about it too much. And um, I just soon I trip over a toothpaste and crack my head in the toilet. I mean, I don't, I don't, I say all this, I don't mean it to be dark. No, it's not. I have to tell one story, which I think is such a great example of your outlook on life which is when we were in Africa and we were with our families and we were in these tents. And for us, a tent is sort of a pain in the ass because when it when there's wind, it kind of flaps at night and um, there's no paintings on the walls. But for you, it's for you having to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom, falling over chairs and not being able to steady yourself and leaning into the tarp and it almost pulling you down. You say it was like being in a bouncy house. But the point of, of me telling you this is because it is a Mike Fox story <laughs> because it is literally you probably having the worst time of your life just trying to pee. And yet you conjure up this humorous image of a bouncy house. But and that's that's just how I think of you. Any subject, you know, whether we're talking about politics or the pandemic or anything that seems dark and a hardship, you find a way to spin it so that it's still the reality of the situation, but it has this whiff of humor and optimism to it. Well, I think what I do, and I, I think you do too. I mean, I keep thinking of this conversation, how much this applies to you outside of the illness or the affliction, but it's just the way you look at life. Like, I'm always trying to find something funny in it or trying to find something to learn from it. Like, on that trip, we went, remember the day we, we kind of were on three sides of a tree, and in the tree was a leopard eating a baby gazelle, gazelle or whatever. And then and then uh, the next day, it started to rain. 
waited it out, and then we, we went out to see some elephants by the water hole as, uh, as the sun was setting. And I realized, and then we got stuck in the mud. We couldn't get out. I thought, well, we were stuck here in the water hole when, when the killing hour starts. And the leopard's going to come back, and he's up in that tree. I couldn't see him. I could see the last one. I couldn't see this one. And I realized it's the leopards you can't see that you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just knowing that makes me feel better because I understand it. If I didn't understand it, it was just some vague feeling and it's a like floating sense of doom. Um, it'd be hard to take. Do you think it's a choice to be an optimist? I, I think so. I think you have to be. I, I think it's like humor. It's just a thing you go to early on. Right. Um, because because I, I believe you can be a realist and an optimist at the same time. I agree. And, and that's what I am. I mean, I take the world as it is and I accept the truth of it. I don't try to alter it and make it something else. Then then that's denial. It is what it is. I take it on its own terms. But but then I can react to it however I want to. And I choose to react to it in a way that doesn't give it a lot of weight and power over me. But that's, I think, why you are considered one of the most inspiring humans. I mean, of course, because of your sense of humor and and how you look at the world, but also um, that you made a choice, especially during a dark time in your life, to stay on that optimistic path. Well, a lot of the other stuff we talked about, uh, it counts too. I mean, you start out with this philosophy, and like I said, I left school, and it was reinforced by things that happened there, and I made choices for further down the line with Regarding Tracy, and that was reinforced by my, my kids and my family. It's the same thing with you. Once you get to that level, then then it's a self feeding machine because you, you, your kids are on board with your program, and they and they look at things the way you do. At least it, as long as they're talking to you about it, they they know my kids know where my head's at, right. and your kids do too. I, I mean, I love watching you with your kids. It's, it's a lively household, <laughs> much the same as mine, which is why we we, go, we work so well together on these trips. Because one family folds into another. That's very true. Um, I want I want to hear about your optimism. My optimism is, um, I think when I was young, I had to make a choice because I didn't come from horrible circumstances, but multiple divorces, and I was sent away to school. I think way too young, and I too decided to be an optimist because. I thought the alternative wasn't as fun. And it's also a time when I found humor and humor actually saved me. So it was a way to observe the world and, you know, lift it up for myself and others instead of being sort of pulled down into the muck and mire of it. And then it's just a, a muscle that I strengthened over time. And and you start to look at the world in a different way. And I've had a few tricky moments in my life. I was attacked by a gang once in LA and almost killed. And the optimism that came out of it was, but I'm alive, but I ran away, but I'm here to tell the story. And um, obviously with time, I could make jokes about it. But I think when you persevere, it sort of gives you the fuel to have an even more optimistic view. And then I get, you know, it just comes to this very simplistic thing where I just go, for some reason, this sperm hit this egg and made me, and <laughs> the odds of that are insane. And so here I am. I'm going to enjoy my life, and I'm going to enjoy every decade of it, and I'm going to enjoy my marriage and my family and my friends and life because at the end of the day, I'm just a little particle on an asteroid flying through space. So, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You got it. We're just a speck. We're specs. 
and we'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Great, let's get back to it. I've been asking everybody this season to ask me a question. So is there a question you'd like to ask me, Michael J. Fox? Yeah, um, you, you, about the empty nest, you'd be a year away from empty nest? Yeah, two years. Oh. And um, I know your, kid, your kids are always going to come back. And you're, they're always going to come back, and my kids are always going to come back. And they don't take the opportunity to go away and never be heard from again. What is it besides home cooking that they, they, they want? What do they get from you guys? When they come home? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think I think we I think we have created a cozy home. And what I mean by cozy is I think they come back to not only a roast chicken, but <laughs> they come back to being seen and heard and they come back to lots of physical affection and cuddling and movies. But I think the most important thing is that when they come home, we are genuinely interested in their life and what they have to say we're big fans your kids are truth tellers i love your kids thank you they just say they say it like they say it yeah they're fantastic and and they, they also come home for the chocolate cake the chocolate cake is kick ass 
Your, your chocolate cake is unbelievable. <laughs> I told Mike once, I said, try my chocolate cake. It's going to make you jump on the table and take a shit. And he almost did. I almost did. I had to hold myself back. <laughs> Cooper did it for me. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> So is he the kindest, most optimistic person you've ever heard? And actually, since we recorded this, Mike has fallen and broken something in his face and also broken his hand. And yet, (laughs) when I talk to him, what does he do? He cracks jokes. People like Michael J. Fox, they give me hope. I find optimism in them. So thank you, Michael J. Fox, for always showing me the silver lining. And other things that keep me optimistic are new babies being born and new books being written and new paintings being painted and new music being composed and all the things that hit us, not necessarily in the brain, but hit us in other ways. So keep getting involved in the arts because I think that they are the most uplifting, optimistic thing we got going right now. And to wrap up this episode and this year, a couple of weeks ago, I went on social media and asked people to tell me, what are some of the things that give you hope and how do you stay optimistic? And I got an amazing response. I also got a great response about my purple coat. So thank you for that. But really, thank you to everybody who took a minute to share their story with me. I heard from people who credit optimism for getting them through the darkest of things, divorce, abuse, addiction, homelessness, life-threatening illnesses, surgeries, the terrible loss of loved ones. I mean, Jesus, you guys are a resilient bunch. And here are just some of the things that keep you all going. Hi, Allie. I am all in on optimism (laughs) Uh, because I don't like the alternative. I heard the quote, Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. It was a Henry Ford quote, and it really changed my life. I was struggling to find optimism, so I decided to offer it instead. So I would reach out to people when I was having a good day, um, letting people in in traffic, waving someone through. Just tried to be maybe a little bit of a bright light in someone's day. Well, the jacket you're wearing on the Instagram post makes me feel very optimistic. That's number one. Number two, strong women make me feel optimistic. My best friends, constant support, hugs, connection, above all, makes me feel optimistic. Hi, Ellie. I saw your post on Instagram and the line is busy, of course, which made me really happy, actually. That gave me optimism to know that so many people were calling you with stories of optimism. My story is I'm transgender and it's been really hard. Over the pandemic, I started drinking a little too much and I was really down. And what gives me optimism? You know, I've got this rescue lab and it sounds so dumb, Um, but she watches over me all night, even if it means she sleeps till noon. And wakes up ready to go with a smile on her face, loving me. I am a newly hired bus driver, and I find it very gratifying to see these young faces get on the bus every day with a new look of hope every day. Uh, These kids come from all walks of life, from different countries, but they all get along. And I love being the first one to say, good morning, and the last one to say, have a great day. 
I'm a teacher of middle school children, and every Friday we celebrate by saying you're a week smarter. Uh, that uh, provides optimism by uh, letting the kids know that whether they made mistakes or maybe not have done the most uh, amazing things, that they still gain knowledge and they're a week smarter. And they like it. Every week they um, remind me to tell them that. In my opinion, sometimes you have to do fake it till you make it, where you might be having a crappy day or certain things have happened in your life. Sometimes it helps just to put on that smile and just keep moving forward. I was homeless once with a baby, child, not even a baby, a child, my baby. Lived in a car for a few days, uh, worked my butt off, three jobs at one time. I raised an unbelievable child, and my optimism when things get rough now is when I say, look at what I was feeling then, and I thought I was never going to make it. And here I am now, 60 years old, and she's 31, and she's running her own small business. But whenever things get tough, I always say, well, I got through it the last time. So I'm going to keep going because I'm going to get through it again. The one thing that I've found is on the things that I've worried about the most or been afraid of the most, it seems like those, when you look at them in hindsight, have always turned out to be a blessing or a better thing than I ever imagined. And so I try to remain optimistic because all of those things later tended to be really great things. Sometimes optimism is really hard to come by, but the way you get it back for yourself is by helping someone else. And when I went through cancer 12 years ago, when I would get really dark and scared, I would go help somebody else and it would make me feel better and stronger. And I find that that helps keep my head straight and keeps a positive train of thought. Listening to music that makes us happy, our family, family memories and people helping each other. But music is definitely number one. I think it helps energize people. I myself have always seen my family be very joyous around music, either playing it, singing it together, having it on the radio or the stereo. I am 16 months sober. Your podcast is about optimism. Man, that's a powerful dose of optimism is when I go day after day not having to take a drink. What gives me hope for the future? The fact that the sun rises and sets every day just as it always has reminds me that the universe is indifferent to the foibles of humankind. I find comfort and hope in that. Also in friends, family, dogs, mountains, and that there are wonderful songs yet to be written. Joy comes to me from my grandchildren. Any child, a child who's from three to five, just go in and talk with them or, or observe them playing with their friends and see how most children are so kind to each other. It just brings out the joy in life and their new experiences. I went through um, the death of my only family member, which was my mom. She was hit by a car and killed. And um, I, 
adopted some abandoned cats and I saved them and essentially they saved me. And I think going through trauma, things like that, we're seeing this with our vets, um, adopt an animal program and how, you know, a dog can help them, you know, a therapy dog. And um, I think that's very optimistic. Well, the quote was, it's better to trust and be disappointed than it is to distrust and be miserable all the time. Abraham Lincoln. And that Lincoln saying was probably probably my introduction into what it means to be optimistic that all is well in the universe and that things will work out. What I did with a girlfriend once, and two girlfriends, we did a 30-day gratitude challenge, which Oprah always raves about, but it was a book um, by Rhonda Burns. It was a lot of work, a lot of fun. It really opened my eyes to gratitude and how we sometimes just don't want to go to it, but it was and has been the one thing that has changed my life completely. I feel more optimistic just listening to ways that you were able to be optimistic during some really, really dark times. Finally, one of the messages I got a couple weeks ago was from actress Shelley Bruce. She played Annie in the original Broadway production, Ah, Little Orphan Annie, the original Die Hard Optimist. Shelley wrote, Hey, Allie, after singing Tomorrow hundreds of times over the past 44 years since my time in Annie, here's my take on optimism. Optimism is a perspective on the world around you and how you choose to handle the situation you're facing. Optimism is not the blind belief that things will always turn out the way you want. It is the belief that you will always find the strength and perseverance to make it through the toughest times, no matter the outcome. You look for the silver lining to help you make it through to better times. Like Annie tells the homeless in Hooverville who complain about empty pockets and freezing fingers. Good thing you have them empty pockets. XOXO Shelley Bruce. And as we ease into 2022, I hope that we can all find a little optimism in our lives. Because you know what they say, a pessimist is always alone, but an optimist is always two people away from a threesome. So from everybody here at Go Ask Alley, Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media, on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. And if you have questions or guest suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. Call or text me at 323-364-6356 or email Podcast at gmail.com. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.